0: Blog Talk Radio. Security condition three. GQ, security three, sir. Three, intruder alert. GQ three, intruder alert. Good evening and welcome once again to Madam Perry's Salon, the podcast from the Genie Bottle. And um, I am your hostess, your cruise director, and your spiritual advisor, Madam Perry. And I am, but you can call me Jennifer Perry or Jen, and I am just delighted to be here and have you here. You know, I was um, at dinner with some people tonight, earlier, and uh, they were talking about podcasts and their favorite podcasts and when they like to listen to them, enjoy them. And um, and just so, anyways, if you listened last week, you know I'm broadcasting tonight live from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Um, came here with my husband for the IBC convention, which is the largest entertainment and broadcast and communications trade show on the planet. And so having dinner with a lot of these guys that uh, keep, keep the world in communication with each other and satellites and so forth, and they were talking about how much they love to consume entertainment and information through podcasts. And I said, well, yeah, and we support each other a lot too because I think podcasters aren't that we don't have to be competitive. You can you can like lots of us, and uh, so they're going to be listening tonight. So I want to say hello to the other guys out there, um, and you know, um, coming up soon. We're going to be having, uh, you know, we've a lot of music guests before, but we're going to be having some more people. As you know, Chasm Sultan is going to be back out on the road in January. Well, you may not know, but as he did earlier this year with Chasm Sultan's Utopia, which will have Greg Hawks and Prairie Prince in there. And I think um, Gil um, Asias, who was with Todd's Utopia tour this year, and so he will be back to talk about that as well as Greg Hawks from Prairie Prince and I'm so excited about that next week we have three authors uh, from the Crystal Lake Publishing Tales of the Lake Volume 5 and uh, it's Lucy Snyder uh, Laura Blackwell and Gemma Files and we tried to have them on last week but we had lots of uh, issues and uh, Kenneth Kane another author and he's the editor of that book um, tells the Lake five he, he said that he thinks it's probably had to do with the uh, the heavy storm with Hurricane Florence and so forth and, and the communication damage. But hey, we're going to have them all back next week and uh, you're going to love that too as well as tonight. Now tonight's guest Also, once again, you guys know I have bragged so much uh, and had so many guests here that were published by Crystal Lake Publishing, and and why not? Every single one is a winner. Uh, Tonight's guest has got, (laughs) I I, I feel like I almost don't know where to begin, but he is, he's known as a writer of dark fiction. Um, Some of his books' uh, titles are Poisonous, Pieces of Chaos, and his newest, uh, The Mourner's Cradle, which is what we we'll gonna be talking about tonight. So it's this brand-new, hot-off press work. Uh, he's also had a lot of short works and um, featured in several publications. Uh, he's worked with Morpheus Tales as an editor of both the Dark Sorcery and Urban Horror special issues of the magazine. He's somewhere out in the, um, I was going to say it's in the mountain mountain what was it? Mountain time, I think they call it. And um I'm not gonna tell you much more about it because I like to keep some of these um I'm not gonna tell you where he lives or anything or how many cats he has or whatever, because I like to give a little bit of mystery to some of these people, especially, especially my horror writers. So I'm not gonna wait any longer. I wanna bring right in here to the studio, right in here to the genie bottle, give him a nice fluffy cushion and welcome. Tommy B. Smith. Tommy, welcome to of Perry Salon.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. And uh, I'll go ahead and tell everyone how many cats I have. We actually have three. <laughs>
0: three? Okay. Okay. Now, do do you, who picks the, who chooses the cats? Who brings them in? You or your wife?
1: Uh, it's it's been kind of a combination. Um, we have our oldest cat. Uh, she she picked out when when he was a little kitten. And uh then the others, one of them we came by, uh she's a Bingle cat and we actually uh mm-hmm. some people were given her as a gift and uh they weren't really cat people. Uh, actually we went over there to get her, to take her in and uh they had stuffed cats. So you know, wild oh. cats that, that had actually been hunted. So we thought we better get her on out of there and, and bring her home with us and so she's been can. with us since and uh just uh <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you got her out of there. <laughs> I would have felt kind of creepy about it, too.
1: Yeah, she's um, doing pretty well with us, so.
0: Oh, good, good. Nice to meet All right, so you've got, you you were on a real media tour right now, and I am thrilled to be part of it. In fact, I think on the first podcast you're on with this media tour. That's right. So. Well, good, I have to spoil you for everyone else.
1: So mm-hmm. I am
0: thrilled about Yeah, yeah, you're busy, you're hustling, and this is your brand-new book. Uh, from. Is this your first book from that's uh, published by Crystal Lake Publishing?
1: Yes, it's my first book uh, with Crystal Lake Publishing. I did have a short story back in the, speaking of the Tales from the Lake series, there was Tales from the Lake, Volume 3. I had a short story in that one, Chemical Oasis, but it is my first book with Crystal Lake Publishing.
0: And so the, the title of the book um, is "The Mourners' Cradle," and the subtitle is "The Widow's Journey." So, since this is fresh, it's brand new. Tell us all about it—not all about it, but just enough to tease everybody into it.
1: Well, "The Mourners' Cradle" is the story of Anne Sharp and. Uh, then as the story opens she well not at the very beginning but uh, as her story opens within the book uh, she's she's alone in her house in an empty bed and uh, her husband is no longer there and so her life the life she's known for many years now is abruptly changed and uh, she feels very alone and and the way she deals with that the way she deals with that profound loss is is unique to her as when anyone goes through uh, a very serious loss uh, everyone's method of of grieving is different and uh, hits everyone quite differently and and can be quite wrenching. So that's, that's what starts her story. And then of course there are a lot of loose ends. Uh, Her husband was an independent researcher. So those loose ends that were that remain from his life uh, sort of return to plague her. And for instance, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a rival, uh, almost an enemy that her husband had. And uh, that's created, creates a lot of issues pretty quickly in the story. And uh, also, she she wants to pick up uh, the aspects of her husband's research, um, and then try to understand what he exactly what he was so fascinated by, and, and basically what stole so much time from them from their relationship uh, over these past couple of years. Why he was so obsessed with that, and uh, you know, there's so much time, more time they could have spent together. If uh, so, she just wants to understand, and it's sort of her uh, quest to understand and what was happening and what. What this enigma is—the mourner's cradle that that her husband Damon was so obsessed with—and that's what starts her journey.
0: Mm, okay. Um, how long is the book? Is is it a novella? Is it a full-length novel?
1: It's a novel. It's a it's a novel on the shorter end. Um. So it's a it's a short novel, I would say.
0: Okay. So
1: right. I, I don't know if that's helpful or not.
0: <laughs> it's longer than
1: a novella, but shorter than a than a gigantic tome. So, so.
0: <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> Okay. And I was I was looking at some uh, some of the reviews, and I'm going to quote from some of those in just a minute. But um, where. When we start with the story of, of Anne Sharp's uh, story and about her husband as a researcher, can you tell me what what gave you the uh, the the idea for this premise?
1: Where you um, there are a few different there are, there are a few different aspects to that. Uh, well, when I started sort of going into this territory, it was back during a period of time when I actually found myself sitting at a lot of funerals. And I guess it's something anyone has to deal with as they get older—is watching the people that have been a part of their lives for so long slip away, and sitting at a lot of funerals and, and observing, you know, people who are close to you, observing how they deal with the loss. And and uh, it and it happened just a number of different times, so there's not a specific instance that I'm thinking of, but uh, it just, you know, sort of uh, become immersed in that for for a while, and uh, then so there was that sort of emo- emotional aspect to it, but then there's also the historical aspect to it. and Looking at, you know, some of the things I'm interested in, some of the things I've read about and, you know, interested in in why things are the way they are now and how, you know, humankind has developed and civilization has developed over over millennia. And uh, looking at, you know, some of the South American um, history that we really don't have a whole lot of information about, like the, the Norte Chico people who really didn't have a lot of know, ra- writing and reading that we know of and, and had a culture, and we have artifacts mm-hmm. and the like, and their structures, but, you know, there's a lot of mystery around that. And so uh, exploring some of that, exploring some of the unknown, the things we're still seeking answers to, mm-hmm. and then looking back to the period of time that the story takes place in, in, in the late 70s, uh, we mm-hmm. really didn't, there's a lot of information we have now that we didn't have then, so, um Looking back at the perspectives some of the people might have taken on some of these matters, so there's and, the combination.
0: So, um, and, and to, to look at this, I was looking at PopHorror.com and uh, Jennifer. I know you've read this already, um, and make sure I pronounce her name correctly. Jennifer is Bongies review, and going into the middle of the review. Uh, um, because in the beginning, she says, um, you know, what she likes, one of the things she likes so much about it, and calls it one of the best books she's read lately, is she says this book is nonstop action. It grabs your attention at the beginning and does not let go. A character-driven story. Um, characters are written well. You'd find yourself related to each and every one. And um, here's this. I've I got to know what you think of this. She says, Anne Sharp. Is one of my favorite leads in a novel, Hands Down, that's saying something considering how many books I've read. She's smart, independent, and for lack of a better word, a total badass. <laughs> <laughs> with a softer well, side to it as well, but does not put up with much nonsense. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, I I think that's awesome. That, uh you because you never really know what sort of reaction you're going to have when you when you create something you put it out there, but uh you know you create it from pieces of yourself and pieces of things that are that are a part of you and a part of your universe and, you know as it uh as it i suppose clashes with with the universe everyone else's lives lives and uh you know so you just you never know what that mix is going to produce and so the mourner's cradle i mean it was an experience for me just writing it, so you know i'm very pleased that uh she enjoyed it as much as she did, and the reviews I've, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very pleased to see that the reviews that have been coming out have been uh, very, very good. So.
0: Yeah, definitely, and for anybody who still might be, I mean, you can go to pophorror.com to read this, but for, uh, for anybody who's still thinking, uh, should I go on over to, uh, you know, to Amazon or wherever and get it? Um, she said, you know, she at uh, toward the end she said. I enjoy tales set in different time periods, and Tommy B. Smith kept the story consistent, including many details that remind you that it's 1979. And uh, then it goes on about the tension uh, being spot on and everything. And this is what you know when somebody reviews books like she does a lot. That's what you want to know. You want to know does she? The fact that, that she, it kept her, it kept her involved. She liked the characters, liked the pace, and. Uh, Yeah, that's what we look for. By the way, this would be a good time to stop and say, if people are listening live right now, uh, listening to us live on, what is this, Tuesday the 18th, 6 p.m. Mountain Central Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, or 1 a.m. in the Netherlands, and you want to talk to Tommy B. Smith, you can call us at 646-716-9922. 646-716-9922. That number six four six seven one six nine nine two two. 646-716-9922. Blog Talk Radio promises it's a toll-free call in the continental U.S. Also, for people, and, and I have a lot of these people, Tommy, people who um, say are listening and maybe they don't have access to a phone or maybe they're at the day gig or the night gig and can't use a phone, they'll usually message me through Facebook or something with a question or comment. So we're not going to leave anybody out. If you have a question, let us know. So, um, okay. So where was I? All right. Um, so how long did it take you to write this? Because you have a, you've obviously had to do a, a lot of research in not only the time period, but travel uh, Peru, and then what you know what her husband was working on his projects to keep it all so legit. Um.
1: Let's see. That's a very good question. Let's see. I'm trying to remember. It's, it's actually been a little while since I did write that book, um, but we um, think maybe it maybe it took a year or so. Um, I wrote the first version of it, the first draft, and then and then came back to it. And uh, of course, there's a matter of editing, the re- the revision and the editing and all of that, and and then of course. Uh, the book actually had kind of a bumpy ride just trying to get it published and i was happy to land it with crystal lake publishing you know they've published all the all these excellent, excellent titles you know and i was mm-hmm. i was a reader of theirs prior to that so um, but yeah i actually had uh, others interested but since i've been in this since i've been in this field i've seen so many publishing companies and publishing houses and rise and topple and there was Kind of a bumpy ride, just trying to get the book into print, but and now, now it finally is after all that, but, you know uh, so I guess yeah. writing it probably took about a year, but then all the rest of it took a lot longer
0: so. <laughs> well,' cause I say there had to have been a lot of things to um well, talk about just the publishing part, you know I've been to I me mean, y- you know a thing or two about publishing, obviously as 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 well as writing. And I know there are times when I've been to, I think I've been to Book Expo America three times. Oh, yes. And there are some, you know, I remember there were some, some uh, publishing houses I've seen there a couple of times that really seemed to have a lot going on. They seem to be thriving and big promotions, all things going. And then a few couple of years later, there's nothing there, and it can usually be, behind, you know, poor management or something, and you just think it's just and it's a shame. Publishing has a hard enough time as it is these days, um, but yeah, Crystal Lake is growing well. So, um, keeping it and, and most of the action takes place in or the story starts in 1979. Am I right?
1: That's right, and it, it starts in a it starts in Anne Sharp's hometown slash city of uh, St. Charles. St.
0: So I not? How, how was it difficult to um, to keep to keep uh, true to that time period as as far as like with no cell phones or certain things like that or <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I kind of enjoy going back to that time but but really it's it's not it wasn't a matter of, of I suppose it just it fit into the timeline I actually well I wrote a, a horror novella some years ago Poisonous and uh, which takes place after that sometime after that and it's uh you know it's just a different story but it's it's in it takes place entirely in saint charles which is uh and so this the setting sort of is, the mourner's cradle setting begins there and you know then it takes takes off to south america and all of that but um <clears throat> it was more just i wanted to set something back before that time period when the city was a different place and before uh you know it, Tragedy and uh, certain certain things happened in the city that made it the place it is in, in the novella, and so I just uh, I, th- I thought there was a lot of history just in that in that city to explore as well as you know the history of, of the Mourners Cradle and all of that which was kind of goes back to actual history. But so that that was sort of what inspired that. But then but then it was enjoyable to write a write a story based on that time period as well.
0: Well, yeah. since it's, you new know, I know you've had reviews, but since it's very new, I would think that, that a lot of readers may have told you this already, but to me, that's a lot of what gives it um, a lot of depth and a lot of, of texture, if you will, to the story. That it's, it's not so far back that, that it's like a foreign place, you know, maybe 50 or 100 years back. Right. But just being that... Um, that's, what, about 37 years ago, maybe, or something like that. Uh, just, or almost 40 years, just to think it's just enough to where it's, it's almost like when you watch the old TV shows from that period, you know. And it has uh, got seems to have, like, a flavor and a movement and, um, and just kind of a vibe of its own. And that seems, it, it seems to me that that sort of takes on its own... Uh, takes its own personality as almost a character in a story from that time.
1: That's that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, To me, I just sort of, uh, and I'm not going to tell, I won't tell everyone how old I am, but I will say that I remember when the world was a very different place. And so, you know, there's some of that, you know, on on the personal end that I can reach back to as well for inspiration.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of inspiration, now, a writer of dark fiction. Uh, what 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 inspires someone to write dark fiction? Because as you know, I, I remember once I uh, something about. I think I had Jasper Bark on, uh, another late writer, and I said something about one the last. You know, I, I guess I haven't read that many uh, horror. Dark fiction, whatever, in years and years, until I began doing this podcast, and I said, I'm just surprised and so delighted with the authors and Jasper Barker saying, "Oh yes, yes, well you can, you really can clean us up and take us out. We can be very delightful, but <laughs> only in his British accent." So what what inspired you? I mean, when you when you when you first uh, began reading, began loving books, or or uh, following particular authors or genres. What what were your favorites? What drew you to this style of book? And then what made you want to create your own? What inspired you to create create your own stories?
1: I think inspiration, uh, well in, inspiration can come from from all sorts of different angles. And with me it has and uh, when I was younger we had a, a big utility room full of books and, and we didn't have the internet at that time. And so, you know, I would read quite a bit and uh, and and we had we had some other things, but you know i I read quite a bit in those days, and that's just something I always did all through the years and uh, <clears throat> out there, I remember we had we had you know you had the old uh Stephen King and you had various other authors like John Coyne that people don't talk about very much anymore, and then there was you know some there were science fiction books and uh fantasy books you know like uh, j r r tolkien and things like that so I just read all different kinds of things at, at that point point. and I was actually when I started when I started writing and I wrote recreationally a long time ago but I never really you know I suppose in those days I didn't really feel that I had much of a chance but but uh then and then I had a lot of people discourage me you know over the years as I began leaning toward that of, of going out and actually being being an author and trying to put my work out there but I meant in time I managed to push push all of that discouragement aside and, and uh decided there, you know, there was would the chances drop considerably down to zero if I don't even put forth the effort to hone my and ability exactly. and to give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. So and you know just life in general and the different experiences I've had, uh, those are inspirations as well. And when I first started out as an author, I was actually writing uh, fantasy and horror as well. And there was some dark fantasy I wrote, and and it almost came across as uh, I didn't get a lot of pre- a lot of appreciation from the fantasy crowd. Um, my stuff was, I got a story rejected because it was just way too dark for the magazine, and and I still I still have that rejection. I was actually kind of proud of that. So, um, so you know I geared, I geared my uh, efforts more toward the horror side of things, and that seemed to work out better. But a lot of the time I just set out to write a story, and I don't necessarily. In some cases I do set out to write a horror story, but in in many cases I just set out to write a story. And uh, then it ends up being uh, darker themes, you know, penetrate the work. And just me being me, it ends up being, you know, dark fiction. And dark fiction is kind of an umbrella term that I'll use to describe a lot of my work. But, yeah, a lot of of it is horror. But some of it's just other weird things that end up happening.
0: What, (laughs) What do you think draws readers, and not just you but other readers too, to um to dark fiction and horror, what do you think it is that people get in it that satisfies them
1: well that that could be very complicated depending on the individual but um there are a lot of uh <clears throat> there is something uh, I've, I've noticed uh in i did a you know, going around to some of the shows and, in particular, horror conventions and and things like that. That a, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of horror. There are a lot of horror fans who are also fans of uh, heavier music and things like that. You know, metal fans. And I, I actually listen to a lot of, which not exclusively, but I do listen to a lot of um, things like that. And I go to go to concerts uh, sometimes when I have time. You know, enjoy live music. And uh, those are just uh, some of those things are just. Uh, seem to appeal to some of the people who walk the fringes of society, and maybe it's uh, a bit more of a, an outsider mindset. And I know when I was younger, I was. Um, so there's a, but, you know, a lot of people just appreciate a good scare as well, um, and, and appreciate <laughs> horror, uh you know, like the original Halloween, I was a big fan of that that one, uh, the John, John Carpenter version, not the newer remake that they did. Um, but the old one really had a lot of atmosphere, you know, and it wasn't really gory, but um, so, and I just appreciated that. And, you know, when I was, um, when I was a lot younger, I was really imaginative. So the imagination can play a lot of tricks on you, you know, and the unknown can be uh, something, something very scary, you know, when you're, when your mind is, uh, <laughs> spinning <laughs> random things out of it and creating nightmares or unusual scenarios for you. And so, uh, I mean, a, a lot of people, I'm sure, uh, Appreciate the experience for a number of different reasons, but like I said, people probably appreciate a good scare or they just appreciate the the amount of uh suppose uh something being confronted by something being uh or the um there's there's a degree of heaviness and conflict that goes into a lot of those films and a lot of those books that people probably appreciate as well
0: you you just mentioned originally about going to you know to the conventions um tell me about some of the conventions you've been with been to as an author and uh interacting with with readers and fans and um i'm glad that you just come back from a, a convention recently
1: i did i just came the, the most recent one i did i actually just did over the weekend that was scarefest in lexington Kentucky. and uh that that's a big horror convention. I'd heard good things, uh, heard th- good things about it, and I uh, had meant to go out there. And it was actually my first time at that particular convention, and and uh, that was a good time. And then I had i uh, I've been to uh, Crypticon and uh, a number of others, and I, I've been to some multi-genre conventions, but um, this one was a pure horror convention, and that's that's always interesting to see. All the hardcore horror fans, and uh, a lot of the time, those are the people who might be more apt to pick up something of mine. But um, it's good talking to all the other, all the other uh, horror creators. I mean, across the spectrum as well. I mean, you have filmmakers and and people like that, and then you just have and uh, artists and such, and then you have uh, your some of your fellow horror authors. Occasionally, you'll you'll run across, and there were a few actually out there that I spoke with. Uh, James Watts, Laurie Roberts, Richard Rumble. So if they're listening to this show, then uh, hello again. Um, but we all chatted there and uh, got to speak to some of the horror fans. Uh, people that came around my table when I was signing books, and it, it was all oh. a nice experience. And I just I like walking around seeing what everyone else is doing when I'm able to, so that can be interesting.
0: So do you get, do you get a lot of questions from from, from budding writers wanting your advice?
1: Occasionally, I do. Uh, sometimes yeah. when you do a panel or something like that, there are different conventions where uh, I'll be scheduled on a panel Panel talking about writing in some way, or talking. maybe we'll be talking about horror specifically, or maybe we'll just be talking about writing in general, and we'll have uh, people, you know, sometimes you'll have uh, younger authors or newer authors ask you questions at the panel, or even afterward, they may come out to your table, or you're signing books and what have you, and ask some questions, and and I'm always happy to talk with people about my experiences, that I know that my experiences don't necessarily uh, encapsulate the experience. Um, everyone has to find what works for them to find their own voice and their own pathway uh, to what it is they want to do. But, but, I'm, but I'm willing to talk about it. I'm willing to, help, willing to help where I can, when I can.
0: Yeah, I can tell you're one of the authors that really enjoys doing the panel and and getting to know people and letting them ask you questions. Yeah.
1: And doing doing a panel, sometimes you can learn a lot of you can learn a lot from other people on the panel because uh, you know we all come from such different backgrounds and we've all had such different experiences uh, to get to where we are today. So um, you never know what you might pick up from someone else, and you might be able to help someone else, and someone else may be able to help you just because uh, you have such different methods and, and different perspectives. So try to try to remain open-minded to all of that and listen to what others have to say as well.
0: Now, one thing I want to make sure that I do, and although we still have some time left, I'm going to make sure that everyone knows that, um, if you're listening here, I will be sharing uh, Tommy Smith's social media, uh, how, to, how to get his books, how to find his website, um, how to find out about him. I'll be sharing all that on all of my social media. However, his website is TommyBSmith.com. And, of course, that will be on my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and everything. And uh, and where can people get a copy of The Mourner's Cradle?
1: Uh, you can uh, find a copy pretty much anywhere online, uh, Amazon.com. You can find a, a copy of The Mourner's Cradle. And um, I should mention, uh, anyone who orders a copy of The Mourner's Cradle, um, a digital copy. Uh, there's some extra material bundled in with that as well. If you can, if you order that now, you actually will get uh, some additional artwork for the story, and as well, there's uh, there's more, the Mourners Cradle theme, which is actually uh, a theme theme music for the Mourners Cradle, and that's uh, one of the extras that was included. So, um,
0: really, this is
1: fantastic. And uh, so, oh, and there's uh, there's an additional story called Immolation Hymn, which is just a bonus story. So there are a lot of good extras bundled in there with this one. So, but you can definitely find it on Amazon. It's available in physical, in the in the as a physical paperback as well, and in digital form, and uh, really anywhere where fine books are sold, I would say. <laughs> Should have Crystal yeah. Light, but as well as, well as the Mormon's Cradle. But.
0: All right. Okay, and I'll have the I'll have the exact link to that on all of my social media as well, folks, uh, and you know I will. That's a sweet deal. Um, And speaking of music, if there were, because we were talking about music earlier, if there were, and I've even heard some uh, some authors do this now, or poets, if there were a playlist, if you were to create a playlist to go along with uh, any of your books or The Mourner's Cradle, what would it be? Would it be something that you listened to while you played it, or could you... I know this is off the top of your head, so
1: you didn't have time to. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have time to put together a playlist, but I mean, I can <laughs> throw some, some ideas out there that might. Um, you know, I, sometimes I do listen to music, and, and I've talked about this with other authors, you know, that have listened to music while they write. And uh, for me, it tends to just fall into the background, But um, and then I forget about the music. Because I get so immersed in the writing. But, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody uh, a long time ago, even before I was a published author, and they were telling me about uh, this band Lycia, and they were saying that they listened to them for uh, inspiration. And some of that is atmospheric, almost gothic sort of, uh, it's called dark wave music. So things like that are good. And uh, But then, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, you sometimes listen to something a lot more, say, energetic and, and full ahead. You know, I listen to metal, too, so... Uh, and. Uh, and to me, something to me, I just uh, enjoy anything that's intense, and even even something that's that's slow and uh, you know ambient and atmospheric that yeah. can be intense and heavy in its own way. So um, <laughs> I don't know about a specific. I didn't put together a list of songs. So <laughs> 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 uh,
0: I've now, got the Mourners to, Cradle theme.
1: I can listen to that, and that's that would be one. But um,
0: and who wrote that and performed it?
1: Um, that is um hmm, I would have to actually look up um look up who it was. I really should. Um Okay. I don't remember at the right at the moment. But uh um, okay. but it's it, it is a very nice tune. So.
0: Okay. Well, well get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I like I like the fact that you've got some extra stuff in there for, for the digital copy, um, extra material, extra artwork, music. That is pretty fantastic. Um, I'm gonna pause for just a moment here with just a uh, um just a message, uh, a little I guess it's a little public service message here and that gives uh, gives us each chance to get a glass of water or or at least me and um yeah, so we'll be
1: right back with Tommy B. Smith talking about his newest book, The Mourner's Cradle. So, Chuck, talk to us about Fisdale being the Knicks' new coach. What's your uh, thoughts on that? Well, well I'll, I'll tell you right now, Ernie, it don't matter who's going to coach this team. They don't got no talent on we it. And I don't I don't really feel I talk, That's hard. I don't feel I talk about the Knicks right don't now. do talk about lunch? No. <laughs> what would you like to talk about, Chuck? See, Ernie, I've been listening to a podcast called Madam Perry Salon. And I think Jennifer Perry, she's a great host. I mean, she got all these bestseller authors, Rostoff, all the dip comedians. What about people we that go, don't have a <laughs> Here we go. Got Real, fun <laughs> <that>. Real fun. <laughs> but I think she's great. And I think people will love her show. She got a great laugh. She make, The laugh come out of nowhere. Like an eagle come in there and just steal the whole show. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's not terrible. You know,
0: sometimes, and Tommy, I, I, maybe you think so too. I don't know. You probably haven't heard, but sometimes being ter- told or or spoken of as it's not terrible, that's sometimes the best we could get, at least for me. <laughs> yeah,
1: I sometimes. <laughs> so, sometimes the not terrible would be welcome. <laughs>
0: So, well tell us a little bit since we um now everybody's all into or excited about the morning's cradle and especially folks don't forget um if you get the digital version you get some extra stuff, you get some gifts with purchase and uh, extra materials and artwork and um I think that's so cool. Tell us about some of your other work before this for people for people who are new to you and they're going to go, because you know when you find a new writer, Tommy, don't you do this? If you find somebody for the first time and you think, wow, where's this person been all my life? Um, i got to find something else they've written. So tell us about some of your other work. Are there poisonous, pieces of chaos?
1: Sure. Uh, poisonous was, now that w- that one was very much a horror story. That was uh, that was more of a violent slasher horror. And, uh then that was uh, <clears throat> that was years ago that actually first came out in two thousand twelve, but it's in a second edition now, so anyone who wants to check that out can find that on Amazon as well. Um, but yeah, that was a that was more of a slasher and that was the story of a girl imbued with the force of destruction, living poison and uh story of how it affected her and the lives sure. of those around her. And uh so and or she runs away to join the circus. Long story short, and so you know, uh but it is a violent story, and so, you know, people should be ready for that. But the hardcore horror fans, you know, probably won't mind. And then uh, Pieces of Chaos was a collection of my short stories. And that that's actually how I started as an author is uh, selling different short stories to magazines and, and, and anthologies and things along those lines. And so it collects a lot of work I had uh, published between 2007 and 2012, and then there were some stories that were exclusive to pieces of chaos that came out around 2013 when that book came out and it's it's back in the second edition as well so um, oh, it's a it's a good showcase of the different things i've done over the years for anyone who just wants a taste of different things i've done and and uh, who appreciate short stories
0: that's a nice title too for uh short stories and poisonous and uh, just to just to get to here did you say that the main character has a special power kind of a destructive power
1: it is sort of a power and it is sort of a, sort of a sickness also. So it's sort of, there's two sides to that coin. So, uh, and that's part of that is her. Yeah. Part of the conflict in the story is the conflict between, and her name is Lilac Chambers. And part of the conflict in the story is the conflict between, uh, this force within her that sustains her and, and then her as a human. And so, uh, you know, there's a little bit of uh, you know Jekyll and Hyde, I suppose. I said some time back, you know, that uh, there's a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde in everybody, and then, so that's uh, that's kind of where mm-hmm. that.
0: Okay, all right. That's, I just wanted to, to get to get a better understanding. I guess I thought it was something uh, a little different. I can't think of anybody who's ever worked uh, in a hateful, hellish office job or some kind of a retail or service job that hasn't wished they had some kind of a superpower uh you know, like, like like a fire starter or like you know, Drew Berry or something like that. I know that or something Twilight Zone so like I can I mean, well everybody's had a hellish job somewhere, right? And okay. uh <laughs> when I worked well, that in can, a,
1: that can motivate hmm? you to write a horror story too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh I have. Only in my mind think about when I used to uh hustle snake oil.
1: Oh wow. uh,
0: well, what I'm mean, that I mean when I that by that I meant, you know, cosmetic sales lady. Oh,
1: I, I see.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. I used to I used to uh fantasize sometimes so that I could stop time like um like in the Twilight Zone episode or something. I'm the only person that can move, everyone is just frozen. And Perfect. I would go Yeah, yeah, go up to somebody's child and, and I would just take a um a Sharpie and write six six five dot nine on the back <laughs> of their neck. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> well, let's get back to you. <laughs> so, um, okay, all right,
1: thank you. All yeah, I right, think Michael. we all have a, just a little bit of horror in our lives. So sometimes, <laughs> writing, sometimes you write about things like that. It's safe, it's best to change the names to protect, you know. Not the innocent but
0: the other people I guess I'll say Exactly nobody's really innocent Okay and Michael Schuler's listening Says he's really enjoying this uh, And looking forward to getting the book Thank you Michael And also uh, Duffy Odom uh, Says he's really enjoying this as well And uh, looks forward to reading Mortar's Cradle And learning more about your writing process Thank you Duffy and thank you Michael For comments there Yes thank you Um, do you now you've got a lot going on, so we'll be able to go to your website, which is tommyb.smith.com, and people will be able to know what, what's going on with you, where you're going to be. You've got a lot of podcasts coming up. And are you going to be going out on now? Now, Mortar's Cradle was just released on the 14th, just a few days ago. Um, are you going to be going out on the road with this touring, or are you going to be hitting more? Um, uh, more conventions?
1: Let's see. I, I do have a few more this year. Um, and uh, this one I was actually, Scarefest, actually, I was there during uh, book release weekend, so I was able to promote it at the convention, but I wasn't really online a whole a whole lot. Um, and just sort of did what I could, but I, I was really busy. But, uh, yeah, I am going to actually go out and do some more shows. There's going to be Imaginarium, which is... Uh, which is a sort of uh, creative convention up in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, there's all sorts of different creators, uh, filmmakers, and artists, and authors, and it, uh, there's all sorts of things going on there. And then uh, I'm, I'm going to do a signing at just our local library here. I've done one uh, ever since I had a, well, I've done one you know, for a few years. Every time I have a book come out, I'll do a signing with them too, and uh, then I'll do. Uh, Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention. That's in November, and I think that's the last one for this year, because after that we have the holidays and everybody's going to be busy and things are going to be
0: just mm-hmm.
1: ridiculous. So, then, you- uh, Actually, then I'm going to come back and do uh, the Art Sunday show in March of next year, and that'll be uh, the first of I don't know how many shows I'm going to do next year, but, and that's in Oklahoma City.
0: Yay! Well, okay, and you'll definitely keep us up. We'll be able to find on uh, on your website and social media and so forth uh, where you're going to be and where we can see you if people just want to come out and meet you, see you live.
1: Definitely. I'd, I'd love to see everybody. Uh, if you can catch one of these events, I'm going to be at. I always enjoy meeting the readers and people who are interested in what I'm doing and interested in horror and uh, just chatting about uh, you know, creativity and and
0: anything else. Uh, so. I like it. Well, listen, I am so excited that you've come here uh, tonight and talked to us. You know, we're back, back in the very beginning of this podcast, uh, one writer, uh, Robert Leland Taylor, who's kind of a Kurt Vonnegut style. He went back and reported that Matthew says, I've been to Madame Perry's salon. It's like the inside of Jeannie's ball." So, That's why it looks the way it does in here, and you know you've always got a seat or a cushion with your name on it. Anytime you want to return, please let me know because we will be delighted to have you back here.
1: Well, thank you very much. I would love that sometime.
0: And so thank you. Uh, So we've got, uh, so folks, Tommy B. Smith's brand new book out from Crystal Lake Publishing. It's called The Mourner's Cradle. And I will tell you how to get it. And don't forget, to go to his website. And we're going to close out with our friend Scott Helen from Frenchie and the Punk with Never End the Rocket Century. This is Madam Perry. I love you. Go out and get Tommy B. Smith's book, The Mourner's Cradle. (laughs)